Oh my gosh! Look who do we, look, look who we have. It's my prerogative. How you doing, man? <laughs> what's up? What's what's up? I want to do it's my prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, need a, I need a I need a cone with me, man. No, nah, man, look, it's a different look, man. I, I like the look. Yeah, like yeah, the look, yeah, man. I like the look. Appreciate it. it. It'll be gone in two weeks, but yeah, you know, <laughs> it's something new, you know, something light. <laughs> yeah, you know the, the look. The ladies love it. Hey, hey, hey! Real talk, though. Real talk. But now nah, it'll be, man. It, I'm gonna be honest with you. Even with it being so small. It's a lot of it's a lot of uh, upkeep, bro. So I'm gonna yeah. go back to the real slit look and and you know just keep it moving, you know. But yeah. hey, as always, man, appreciate y'all for having me on and no uh, looking forward to this, you know. Gotcha, gotcha, Jamal. How you doing today, brother? Man, what's going on, man? Hey, man, you know, hey, man, free mall. Hey, man, look, look, I got a question for you, man. You still in jail? Free mall. <laughs> Free, free JD, man. Free mall, hey, man. Jamal. <laughs> for, for, for anybody who believes in, in Facebook rights, man, free Jamal. Free mall. He ain't never hurt nobody. Jamal ain't, ain't never, never hurt nobody. Doggy lives matter. Guys, I'm so sad. What's good, brother? How you living? Living the dream, you know. Look, look you look so peaceful, man. You like, oh, man. Pandemic life. <laughs> Hey, 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 man! Hey, Kaiser, you don't, you don't have your Lamelo Ball jersey yet? Uh, it's on the way. All right, cool, cool. Yeah. Let's check uh, it. And, and my Lamelo Ball cup, the the thirty two ounce tumbler. I got all because <laughs> you know because you know you're not a real Hornets fan unless you have a Lamelo oh, Ball jersey right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, y'all. So the Hornets <laughs> played one game this week due to a bevy of cancellations, and they uh, got a big boy loss. Uh, LaMelo Ball only played 16 minutes that game. The world uh, is ending. It's over. Fire James Borrego. Cut the season down. Cut the season down. Turnovers. Michael, uh, sell the team. <laughs> Devontae Graham was, re- was resurrected. He scored like 24 points. And then Gordon Hayward just continues his all-star campaign. Uh, dropped 34. Uh, guys, tell me what you think about the game. Um, We kind of got screwed with the five day layoff, and I know that happened to a lot of teams, but that's just that's just the way the scheduling happened. I don't care what the sport is; a longer layoff than you are used to will affect you. Yeah. The Hornets uh, lead the league in assists and passes, whether they lead to an assist or not. And from watching the game, that's where the rust was. The Hornets actually didn't shoot that poorly, at least not uh, near the beginning of the game like we're used to, but. The passes were just off. Plus, you insert Cody Zeller back into the main rotations. There was obviously, uh, you know, no rhythm there. Some of the mellow passes were behind him, and it was just a mess on that point. The, the Hornets just couldn't keep turning the ball over, and they were competitive. Despite what the score is, they were competitive near the, till the very end. They just couldn't get below that like five six point threshold because they'd always turn the ball over, or there'd be some ridiculous pass that one of our um, you know, one of the Hornets did. So I, I, it's hard to put stock into that that loss. Also, we'll talk about this a little later, but um, Chicago shot really well from – actually, they didn't shoot well from three. That's a, a, a misnomer a lot of people have about Hornets opponents. We'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> but they'd shot a lot of threes and hit a lot of th- – or hit more threes than the Hornets. They doubled uh, us up on that. They hit 15 threes. We shot seven for 32. You will not win a game in the NBA – Shooting seven for thirty-two from three when your opponent hits twice as many, you you just will not. So 
uh, I think those were the two main things the, the Hornets, not the two main problems the Hornets had the other night. And I'm not going to put a whole, whole lot of stock into that loss. Chicago is a great offensive team. The Hornets are a better defensive team than a lot of people think. But Chicago is a really good offensive team, and that's that's just really what it came down to. Jamal? So, um, all year, I, I have not – there there hasn't been a Hornets loss that has particularly made me angry all year. <clears throat> that changed Friday night. This loss really made me angry. And I kind of felt validated in, in, in feeling that way because James Borrego was not at all happy with the Hornets after the game. Um, he was specific, He was specifically asked the question, you know, basically, hey, what went wrong? What can you pinpoint? And his answer was pretty much everything. He, 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 he pretty much stated the Bulls kicked, their, kicked our butts in every single facet of the game. Um, to Kaz's point, man, you know, they hit 15 threes. We go seven for 32. Uh, I, one misnomer about the Bulls. Now, the stats are going to show they, they shot the ball 51%. For most of the game, it was more than that. You know what I mean? I think we we kind of locked them down in the fourth quarter, but for the first three quarters, they couldn't miss. Um, um, we we actually out rebounded the Bulls, which is which is becoming the trend. We actually out rebounded a lot of teams, and, and I think that's just an interesting nugget, being that the hot topic around these parts. Well, one of the hot topics around these parts is we need a big man. We need a big man, but we're consistently out rebounding teams. But that I, I digress. Um, I understand the layoff. I understand, you know, we we hadn't played in five days. I I get it. There was there was obvious rust with Cody Zeller. There was obvious rust with a lot of our team. But some of the stuff, man, like the defensive stuff, was just there's no excuse for that. You know what I mean? I don't think we're as bad as the defensive team as we are made out to be sometimes. But at the same time, we never ever get stops when we need them to. Um, we all like, you know, like Kaza said, we would break the 10 point threshold. We'd be down five or six and we just don't get a stop. And there's just too many, and, and there's still too many defensive lapses and too many defensive mistakes from my liking. And I think Borrego felt the same way, man. Gotcha, Vince. So I'm going to take this an entirely different, uh, in an entirely different direction. So I understand that the team overall had rust. I understand that Cody Zella had rust, and with Cody, Cody Zella coming in, uh, the chemistry was thrown off because he hasn't played since the first game. Here's my biggest frustration with the Charlotte Hornets. Why is it that every time ESPN predicts us to win a game, <laughs> those are the ones who always lose? I can't remember the exact number, but I think ESPN gave us like an 80% chance to beat Chicago. And in, in despite Charlotte uh, being on a three-game losing streak and Chicago having won their last two before the game, we somehow, someway had an 80% chance to win that game, and we still lost it. So what's going on with this parallel of every time we're predicted to win, we lose, but when we're predicted to lose, we, we, we win more often than not? That's my biggest question I have right now. You know what, Vince? You 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 may have just answered my own question as far as why I was so mad that we lost this game because it feels like that's a trend. It yeah. feels like it feels. And, and listen, I, I've said this in the previous show, man. You know, if and I do mean if, because because God knows this team has not come out and said a statement as far as how this goes. But if their if their aim is to truly make the playoffs, if that's truly their goal, I don't care if it's game one or game seventy. 
these are the teams you have to beat. And Charlotte, we're not the Brooklyn Nets. We're not the Milwaukee Bucks. We can't drop games to the Cavaliers and the Bulls and the Pacers and be like, you know what, we're okay. No, because we've seen in seasons past where that one or two games made the difference between the eighth seed and the ninth seed. So I guess that's probably my more reason for my anger. We tend to lose to the teams that we're competing against directly for those last two or three slots. And and sometimes we punch above our weight class. And it's just like you you we're not good enough to 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 to, to, be, to be in cruise control. We need to bring it every single night. And these young guys have to realize that at some point. Now, real quick, because I know we're talking about the last game of the Bulls, but for those that are watching, um, tonight's game versus the Magic, the ESPN predictor app has us at a 59.2 chance of winning. Woo. Okay, I'm just doing – I don't know when you guys are going to release this video. I don't know if it's going to come out before or after the Magic game, but after. tonight the ESPN predictor has us beating the Magic. Fifty nine point two percent probability. And, and listen, and on top of on, on top of that, the Magic guy, they have like five guys out due to COVID protocol wow, stuff. You know, they, they've lost four in a row. So conventional wisdom would tell you, ah, oh, man, the, the Hornets should get this one. But being that we're fans who know this team, this, this is the game you like. You really worried about now? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Clifford likes to play us. And we saw in the preseason he left his starters in in a game they were losing just so he could get that that W. <laughs> so I expect more of that pettiness from the Orlando Magic uh, tonight. So yeah, and we get to see Dwayne Bacon again too. Yeah, so. yeah. Look, this is gonna be Dwayne Bacon revenge game. He's gonna score <laughs> thirty two points, seven rebounds, and two assists because you know he doesn't like to pass. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He'll, yeah. He'll, he'll get the last second shot to win the game. <laughs> So, guys, I, I have a question, man. Is it time to start LaMelo Ball? Oh, uh, man. Uh, hey, 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 Rodney, real quick. Man. Let me – I got to – no, the dead horses, I got to clean them up off, off, the, off the floor real quick, man. I mean, Let I mean, me get them out the way. LeVar told me it was time. Oh, and he's about to make some noise. We're in the midst of a four-game losing streak. It, I, look, Devontae Graham has woken up. Terry has taken a slight step back. Who do you who do you send to the bench when you start Lamelo? So <laughs> or, or is it time yet? So let me. I, I got I got quite a few stats that I that I wrote down earlier today. All right. So this is coming from a guy who remember when we drafted Lamelo, I actually said he should come off the bench and give it about one or two months once he's had time to adjust in the NBA, allow him to come in. I personally believe, given one more week, I personally have him starting within the next week, week and a half, okay, whether LeVar says it or not. However, looking at these stats, in the first 10 games of the season, uh, Terry Rozier was averaging 20 points a game. He's now averaging 17.2 his last five for an overall uh, three-point drop-off. Devontae Graham, he has increased his scoring by seven points over his last five compared to his first 10. And LaMelo started out at like 13, uh, 13.8 per game, and he's actually dropped to 8.8 .8, uh, per game for like four-point four drop-off. But here's one of the more telling stats. Uh, Terry Rozier, over the season, he has, um, he has about 25, 28 turnovers, right? Mm. Devontae Graham only has 18 turnovers. 
And I don't have LaMelo's stats, but I think LaMelo has about 35 turnovers. So how do you justify bringing LaMelo in with the decreased scoring and the increased uh, turnover ratio? Because he's LaVar's son. He is the future of the franchise, and it's time, Vince. It now, did, you actually, did, did y'all actually watch the LaVar interview where he said it's time for him to start? I, 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 I mean, I didn't, which, which one? one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's 10 of them, Vince. Which you know, one? The, the most recent one, when he was saying that it's time for him to start, he had the biggest smile on his face. He knows that his words are going to draw a response and that everyone yeah. is going to talk. He's trolling the entire family. Now, L- listen, listen, let me cut you off, Vince. I am so glad you mentioned that. Thank you for mentioning that. Because here's, wh- here's one thing everybody's missing and nobody's talking about. Lamella Ball himself came out two days ago and said himself that he's not playing well. He said it himself that there are areas of improvement. Like he, he, he mentioned the turnovers to be specific. What he did not mention is any type of beef or problem with James Borrego. And I hope every single Hornets fan hears what I'm saying and hears me clear. LaMelo Ball himself has pointed to himself saying that he needs to improve. Yeah. Um, I, I got another interesting stat for you. LaMelo Ball, all his time on the court, Spends 54% of that time, actually it's 54.2% of the time on court off ball. Mm. Meaning that essentially when he's in rotations with Rozier or Graham, he's a shooting guard. So I think that you could be okay with um, sending either of those guys to the bench and starting LaMelo Ball. Does that mean that he needs to start? No, I, the, look, the Hornets know what they're doing when it comes to player development. First of all, I, I saw a comment today in the forums. It just kind of irked me. Somebody said, <laughs> "Just <J-Z>, one, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> uh, one times a thousand. Uh, I, right. Someone said that JB refuses to play the youth, which is the most false That's narrative. Right. You can say a lot of things about JB, but uh, Devontae Graham, second year starter. Uh, Miles Bridges, second-year starter. P.J. Washington, rookie starter. Uh, he plays the young guys. And, 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 and you had the Martin twins in the rotation. Exactly. He, people who say that are just mad that their guy isn't getting the playing time. So I, I'm confident with the way they're bringing LaMelo Ball along. Also, um, a lot of people don't know this, Hornets assistant coach, assistant coach, Jay Triano, actually has a history of player development in the league, and that's one of the reasons <clears throat> why they brought him here. He was an interim head coach for the Toronto Raptors, they fired him and then immediately offered him position as vice president of player scouting and development because he's that good at his job. He developed guys like Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, DeMar DeRozan. So I, and, and apparently he's very, very involved with the development of LaMelo. So we got the right guys in place. I think we got the right plan in place. I'm just going to trust the coaching staff to do what, the, you know, do what they do best. Uh, I agree with Vince, though. I, I give him about another week, and then the, the thing is that at some point, JB's going to have to shake things up with mm-hmm. the lineups, and I think that that would include starting uh, LaMelo Ball. Now, now, that's the one thing I do see. Now, you know, we, we always want to be clear. We don't have intel. I didn't talk to JB or anything like that. But I I, I, to- I totally foresee a shakeup coming really soon or some type of rotation shakeup because here's what I do know about Borrego. And here's what we all know about Borrego. When he's not happy, he is not afraid to throw crap at the wall. We I've said that 
a million times. And I think this last game was kind of his breaking point. You could just tell. He is usually very forthcoming with the media about uh, specifically what he's upset about. I didn't see that last game. He looked he looked thoroughly upset. Um, you know, he he made he made mention of of LaMelo Ball's five turnovers in 16 minutes, man. He wasn't happy, man. So I, I do I do see a shakeup coming pretty soon, man. Let me let me ask you guys this. And Kaiser, I'll start with you, okay? Um, Devontae Graham or Terry Rozier, send one of them to the bench and then make a case for why. I would send Devontae Graham to the bench. Okay. Only only because of this. Devontae Graham is a superior uh he, he can run the offense better than Terry can. Yeah. And his score he scores in spurts. He's a fairly inconsistent scorer. That's great coming off the bench. He can give you a spark. He can run the offense. So he'd do a better job. Actually, he's probably better at running the offense as a whole than LaMelo is right now. He's not as dynamic, but he's got a better grasp of, of what the team wants to do. So I think you move him to the bench. That gives the bench a much, much needed punch. Uh, and, you know, I don't think you would lose any of that energy that you get with LaMelo running the second unit. Terry Rozier is a dog, and I feel like he's earned his right to start, not just yeah. at the Hornets, but in the league as a whole. We saw what he did in the playoffs in Boston. We brought him here to replicate that success, and I think for the most part, uh, he's done it. He gives you this this edge that you, that you need with your starting five. No one else on the team uh, brings that edge like Terry does. So, yeah, I'd... I'd Unfortunately, I would send uh, Devontae to the bench, start Mello and, and Terry. Okay. So, guys, I, I, I want to do this. We did this last week, and I, and I want to make this a, 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 a weekly thing. Type thing. We made me okay. a weekly thing. I'm just going to throw out three statements, and I <laughs> want your opinions. First one, let, let, me, let me channel the energy. The Charlotte Hornets are ruining LaMelo Ball's career. I'll take this one first. Starting. He's the best player on this damn team right now. James Borrego needs to be fired. Give me your responses. I'll take this one first. Um, I don't know how many times I have to repeat this. We're not even 20 games into the damn season. <laughs> um, let me say this one more time for the people who might not have heard this. We have not played 20 damn games games. James Wiseman averages around 21 minutes a game and he I, 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 there's no mention of Steve Kerr losing his job. Anthony Edwards plays exactly one more minute a game than LaMelo Ball does. I have not heard anything about the Minnesota Timberwolves making the coaching change. Why why is Charlotte exempt? What what, what makes LaMelo Ball and Charlotte exempt from developing a rookie? like most teams are developing their rookies. Kimball Walker averaged around the same amount of minutes his rookie year. Where the hell was were these people at Kimball Walker's rookie year? There has been no there's Kobe, been no Kobe, source. Kobe <laughs> Kobe Bryant, the one of the greatest players of all time, didn't even average 30 minutes a game his rookie year. And I just have to make mention of this. Because there, there's going to be some stupid internet rumors that's about to start flying around. There is no credible source anywhere on the entire goddamn internet 
that says LaMelo Ball is going to leave the Charlotte Hornets as soon as he can. Not after 15 damn games. Please stop it. Also, Go he, ahead, y'all. He, well, I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I know a lot of people don't understand how contracts work, but LaMelo Ball is contracted to be a Charlotte Hornet for four years. For four seasons. <laughs> how, how can you take a rookie 15 games into the season and says he's out of here as soon as he can. But and my question is, what source is saying that? It's not even coming from a real source. Who's who's saying it? That's my question. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right, well, when, when Ball's rookie contract is up, the Hornets have two team options, and then he'll be a restricted free agent. After the team option. And he's not going to reject that money to take less money on that second contract. So he's going to sign a second contract here. He might force his way out at, at, right. at, or in that contract, but we're going to have him at least five, six, seven. Yeah, years. I was going to say, at that point, he'll be seven seven seasons in, and but, if, if the Hornets haven't done enough to build around LaMelo Ball and the talent that they have, yeah, the right seasons, yeah then he should leave. Yeah, and right. Go yeah. at everybody else at that point. I, it's yeah. just, and, 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 and let me say what I said last week. If it comes to the point where LaMelo Ball does leave, it ain't be because James Arango didn't play him 35 minutes a game in his rookie year after his 15th game. That won't be the damn reason. I'm I'm doing too much talking. Y'all go ahead, man. <laughs> What's your next question, Rodney? Okay. Channel the energy. <laughs> okay, come on. Get the Hornets group energy in you. No, don't do that. <laughs> Look, man, the Hornets need to appease LaMelo Ball right now. Mortgage your first-round pick and get an Andre Drummond in here right now to help shore up the paint and get an athletic big man and to save JB's job because he <laughs> failed. Okay, so if you would have said that at the beginning of the season, I probably would have bopped you upside the head because what? Because I don't see this team as a playoff contender. So go through the season. Get a top draft pick. Next year's draft is insanely deep. Yeah. So get a big man next year, and then boom, we're we, we built for the future. However, Andre Drummond's been playing pretty damn good this year. He's been playing pretty good. So if we were to trade for an Andre Drummond, in my opinion, we instantly become four or fifth seed contenders in the Eastern Conference. So now we got to ask ourselves, how far are we willing to go with the team currently constructed with an additional of uh, with an addition of Andre Drummond, how far does that get us? Does that get us past the first? Does that get us to the conference, uh, the final round? And depending on our answer, we got to ask ourselves: Okay, do we want this, or do we just want to suffer through the season? And then we use next year's draft pick to go ahead and add to the youth movement that we already have going on. So I I've always been anti Andre uh, Drummond simply because he's more of a uh, back to the basket type center. But you cannot deny this guy's production, what he's doing this year, what he's done before. So I wouldn't be too much against it if the Hornets did make that move. Um, I I just remember the Dwight Howard experiment, <laughs> uh, and to me, I that's this that they're the same type of player. Same type of skill set, really athletic, not so much skilled, but just athletic, can't score more than two feet from the basket, amazing rebounders, defensive presence in the paint, Um, slows down the offense incredibly. The the Hornets, one of their biggest problems offensively last season, and they slightly improved on that this season, but was pace. 
pace. The reason they were they were dead last in offense because they just had far less possessions than anyone else because they were taking too long um, to to get shots off in the shot clock. You had Andre Drummond, and if he comes here feeling like he's a focal point of the offense, that's what's going to happen. Andre Drummond would have to come here with the understanding like, look, man, you're like a fourth, maybe fifth offensive option. We just need you to grab rebounds, play defense, and catch these passes from LaMelo or whoever right under the basket that Bismack seems to be allergic to. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if he does that, it would be a great success, and I, and, and I think the Hornets would be okay in trading draft picks or capital for that. But that's a big stretch. Andre Drummond, is he going to want to come here and essentially we say, okay, we only need you for this part of your skill set. You got to take a backseat elsewhere. Does he want to do that? Also, he's on the last year of a massive contract. Essentially, we talk about Melo wanting to leave. You think Andre Drummond is going to want to come here and be the fourth option and then stay? I I don't see that happening. If you could get like a sign-and-trade something to keep him here at least till the end of like say Gordon Hayward's contract, then maybe. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise I'd I'd be kinda I'd be kinda iffy on that. All right. So is Andre Drummond an obvious talent upgrade? Absolutely. That's something everyone can agree with. The guy's averaging 18 and 15 this year. You can't ignore the numbers. Here's something that's slightly alarming to me when it comes to Andre Drummond. And again, this is slightly alarming. He's shooting 48% from the field. Now, you will say to yourself, man, 48% ain't bad. However, for a center, for a center, for a center that is supposedly going to come here and, and, and do what in his role be to catch passes and to catch alley-oops and to be putbacks, that is alarming. And, to, and, and, it, and it ties into what Kaza said. It just screams the Dwight Howard experiment all over again because the big if the 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 capital i capital f is is he gonna buy into quote-unquote a lesser role on this team and 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 another question is does does hornet's management want to invest that kind of money for that kind of role on this team his contract is massive and nobody's talking about the fact that he's on the last year of his deal like i said we have to do some type of sign and trade to even guarantee that he's even here more than one season, it is a gamble. And I don't know if the Hornets are at a place to make that gamble. If the Hornets were already a fifth or sixth seed and they were looking for somebody to get them over that hump to maybe be a a three, two, and one seed, then you do it all day. There's no question about it. But you got to understand, there is understandable risk and signing a guy like Andre Drummond. That could backfire. I know it looks exciting to fans when you look at the talent, but you got to look at the other factors and other risk factors as well. As well. Yeah, Bismack I, Biombo shooting 56% from the field, by the way. Right. That is, that's pretty hard. I wouldn't yeah. think that bad. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But I got one more. I got one more. <laughs> okay. Hey, man, look, I really don't give a damn about wins and losses, man. We're in the second year in the rebuild. Look, I really don't care, man. Just let LaMelo run up and down the court, throw alley-oops. We good. All right. I'll take this one um, first, man. Well, go ahead. Okay. No, no, no. You good. You got it. You Come got on, it. Man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. You the guest. Go ahead first, bro. You know what? I actually – I it, it now, 
I don't even care about it. I don't care. And the reason why I wouldn't care about that is because going into the season, I'm on camera saying that the that the uh, Hornets are a year ahead of schedule anyway. If you look on paper, if you look at the talent that they have, in my opinion, they're a year ahead of schedule because we're still paying Nick Batum for the next two and a half seasons. So if you want to throw this season away and just let LaMelo Ball go on the court and throw alley-oops, I'm okay with that because that guarantees us a higher draft pick. And when we get that bid coming out of next year's draft pick and uh, draft class, sorry about that, next year, now we're looking for the playoffs and now they get some. The only detriment to that plan is that we waste a year of uh, Haywood's prime. But other than that, like, I would actually be okay if we kind of like threw the season away and just let LaMelo develop. Yeah. All right. So here's where I'm going to here's where Hornets management comes in. Here's where everybody's got to get on the same page because this is the way I see it. James Borrego coaches like he wants to go to the playoffs. I, I don't see tank. I don't see I'm coaching for a lottery pick in James Borrego. He coaches like he wants to win games now. I don't know if Borrego and the Hornets brass are on the same page because let's think about it, guys. That nobody has came out and really said what the goal for this season was. You can say rebuild, you can say rebuild all you want to, but then you go give Gordon Haywood 30 something million dollars. That doesn't necessarily scream rebuild to me. I know what the reality may be, but the optics don't look like rebuild to me. You get what I, you understand what I'm saying? So, my, my thing is, they have got the brass and JB have got to get on the same page as far as what their goal truly is this season because it just seems like that hasn't been answered yet. You know what I mean? I I, I really feel like we're kind of left puzzled as to what the, 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 the ultimate goal is. Is the goal development or do you want to shoot for the playoffs? I feel like that question has went unanswered all season. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that bothers me about that statement, although I don't completely disagree with it, <clears throat> is I'm always, whenever people talk about, well, you know, Hey, the Hornets, we got to keep with the rebuild plan. Okay, how long is that supposed to go? We're like in, in year three, right? Well, we're going to rebuild for five years. And then, okay, all right, finally, let's, all right, let's go. I think the Hornets' plan was to get young pieces, develop them, and then begin to be competitive and try and build a winning culture. And I think the timeline with their, that we're on right now um, is good for that. We got our, we got our pieces. Are they the pieces that everyone wanted? No, but if you ask me, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and LaMelo Ball is a pretty good two-year haul. That's or three-year yeah. haul. That's like really good. There aren't a lot of teams that are able that were able to draft four players that good in such a short amount of time. So now you got to build around those guys. So what do you do? You get a guy like Terry Rozier, you get a guy like Gordon Hayward, who so far is looking like money well spent. You start to build a winning culture. You cannot. You cannot build a winning culture by losing. It is impossible, and it is why tanking does not work. You have to rebuild that mindset in your players that, hey, we want to win. We want to compete. And I will say this about the Hornets, despite their record, every night they're comp- they never give up. They'll, they're fighting to the last zero on the clock, even in games that they're, they're losing. That Chicago game, they did not give up. It was like a minute 24. They're down by like 13. They're still running double screens for threes. They're playing. They're out there. They're playing hard. That's called building a winning culture. I think if you just say, okay, well, just let the young guys go out there and run wild, you will continue to have a losing culture because those mistakes will amount to losses. And those guys will feel like, well, nothing I'm doing is working anyway. Or 
and, and to that point, Kaza, I, I think the, the other danger in that is that this $30 million man that you invested in, you 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 probably don't make him too happy, and 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 yeah. not making Gordon Hay- Gordon Hayward happy could be a very bad thing. You get what I'm saying? Because right. I mean, and I, look, I'm I'm not trying to jump the gun here. I, please, I don't want anybody to to to, to think I'm thinking this is going to happen. But what if you get to a situation where you know we continue to lose, 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 lose? Gordon Hayward's not happy. You just paid him thirty million dollars. He's like, you know what? I ain't signed up for this. Like, what does that say to the rest of the league? What does that – that's a that's a bad precedence yeah, to set with, with somebody like him. On so Boston, a winning franchise for more money. Right. You know, so um, I, I just don't – the idea that the rebuild is supposed to, like, take for – I mean, the Hornets realistically are, are one piece, really, from being a playoff contender. You know how many teams would kill to be one piece away? Um, I thought, so I'm good with – the Hornets timeline, um, you know, if they end up losing and getting a, a, a good lottery pick, great. If they end up being a fringe playoff team, also great. Cool, cool, right. cool. And, and, and did you mention mediocre culture? Because uh, the Panthers introduced Scott Fitterer <laughs> as the general manager uh, this past week. Uh, did anything stand out to you guys? Um, Yeah. I, there's a couple of things that stood out to me, man. Um, Scott Fitterer sounds like he sounds like Scarface, like from from the from the Scarface movie. It's, it's, it's like if any deal goes down, we want in. I, look, I can't say I didn't get it excited. I didn't get excited about that. I mean, for those who don't know what I'm referencing, man, Scott Fitterer came out and said we want to be involved. And would not be involved, but we want to kind of for, look at every deal that's being done in NFL because they want to measure the landscape of the entire league to kind of gauge themselves as a franchise. That is a very admirable statement, man. I'm not gonna lie that 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 kind of thing gets me excited. That kind of thing lets me know that it, that him and Tepper are at least on the way to uh, to being on the same page. Um, I, I like the aggression. I, I I like what I heard from him so far, man. <laughs> Very impressive. Okay. I mean, I think oh, Kaiser, you got it. No, I was just gonna say I think he brings that Seattle Seahawks culture over. That's why they hired him. We talked about this on a previous episode. Uh, I I still have my my Rich Cho concerns. You didn't you don't have the guy, you have the guy under the guy. That doesn't mean he can do what the guy did, but at least he's bringing that winning culture mentality uh to to the Panthers. I, I will say it's funny real quick. Scott Fitterer makes the statements that he does, and everyone's like, yeah, let's get him. But y'all remember when Cam Newton essentially said the Panthers were losers and he was going to change that in the world? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, look. Did, 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 did Cam lie? No, Cam was telling the absolute truth. Hey, Barani, did Scott Fitterer lie? I mean, that's, it, they're saying no, the same know. thing in different ways. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So – so when he said that he wanted to be in on every deal, it reminded me of um, a, a saying that someone on this podcast had said more than once. And the saying goes something to the effect of anybody can get it. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's, what, here's what I want to be in on every deal comes to me. This, this is how I received that. They any, anybody can get it. Any you can be a Panther today, and you can be unemployed tomorrow. And you know, 
Who, who are we all thinking about right now? <laughs> Black guy, Danny quarterback. Bridgewater. Mr. Tatum, and we know that hey, we look, hey, Vince, I almost want to tell you to save it because I know we're going to get yeah, to yeah, him I'm specifically. Gonna, I'm, I'm gonna ask something, save that one. Save that one, bro. Yeah, man. I'll end it with anybody can get it, and I'll get it back to Ronnie, all right? So, David Tepper had an interview. And he brought up how Fitterer was successful in Seattle. And then he added this little nugget there. You can do it when you have a quarterback who can win you those games. Or if that's not a telling statement, then what is? David Tepper didn't become a billionaire by being stupid, okay? (laughs) I know we don't like them in our society, but none of them have ever become a billionaire because they're dumb. Well, one of them did, but go ahead. He knew what he was saying. He's been in the NFL long enough, especially on uh, a franchise like the Pittsburgh Steelers. He knew exactly what he was saying. That wasn't like a slip or, or a coincidence. Uh, yeah, that's that's the hey, hey, on the wall. Hey, let me tell you, let me tell you something funny about that press conference, man. So at the beginning of the press conference, Fitter comes out. He says, "Look." Please don't ask me about specific players. You know, if you just want to ask me about things in general, please do that. And what it, what does David Newton do? So, what do you think about the QB situation? It's like, come on, dude. No, 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 no. There's a quarterback in Houston. I'm like, no, <laughs> come on, man. And so, this is obviously going to be my some of my commentary that I was going to give you guys a few minutes ago. But this this more so addresses uh, what we like to call Panthers Twitter, the fan base that we see on the Twitter and all this good stuff. And when Taylor Bridgewater was brought in, everyone was so sure of themselves that this was supposed to be a long-term solution uh, with bringing Taylor Bridgewater. I've always said he was brought in in a lose-lose situation and that he was a stopgap to uh, the tank of a season that they were going to have, which they ended up having. Um, and a lot of people talking up the CMC uh, getting hurt, but they had a bad season, and Teddy has shouldered all the blame. And let me tell you something. I hope they bring in another quarterback. I pray they trade away Teddy Bridgewater, because when they do, I got tweets saved in my phone, and they will be retweeted. They will be quoted, <laughs> and there will be some old it comments. It it okay? Because it, just, it baffles me that you cut Cam Newton and you bring in a quarterback of similar skill set. And a lot of people want to say that Teddy isn't similar to Cam. I see Teddy has been a similar quarterback. And you bring him in and you pay him more money per year than what Cam Newton was reportedly asking for under the guise of we're building long term. How are you building long term when you've been linked to all of these other quarterback conversations? In my opinion, they need to be concentrated. I I hope the new GM does not come in and trade away their first round pick because I would love to see them spend that on that tackle coming out of Oregon. But if they shake up that, he'll be he'll be gone, Vince. Huh? He'll he'll be he'll be gone, man. The tackle? You think yeah, so? I think, yeah. dude. I I think Cincinnati would be crazy to pass upon him, man. But go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, no. I if if they shake up that quarterback situation in any type of way, for me, it would just be more justification that the fan base needs to look at this more so from a it's a business standpoint. Because when Kim Newton got cut, everyone was all like, "It's a business. It's a business. It's business." But at the same time, the blind following. 
has kept a lot of fans from seeing the business aspect of the game. Because like I've always said, I felt like Teddy Bridgewater was in a lose-lose situation. The season went bad. He's taken a lot of the heat. And now I wouldn't be surprised if y'all don't go after Matthew Stafford. So, so let me ask you a question. How would you guys feel if we made a run for Stafford? Say we offered a second round pick and and Joe Blow and, and other stuff. I, look, look, it's it's been rumored that, that 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 the Lions can actually get a first for him. But say, uh, say we went after him, like like how would you guys feel about Matthew Stafford in Carolina? Go ahead, Kaza. So first of all, I think Matthew Stafford in Carolina would be great. It depends on what we'd have to give up to get him. Uh, <clears throat> Matthew Stafford has had the unfortunate privilege of playing for the Detroit Lions, and I mean, it's—I it's, mean, really, they—they didn't—they never built a team around him. Gr- granted, he had one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, and look at what he was able to do when he was throwing the Megatron. <clears throat> Other than that, I mean, the guys put up five thousand yards <laughs> passing on a trash team. I, I think he – imagine him throwing to Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, and Curtis Samuel. Um, throwing, more than, Curtis throwing, throwing more than 2.3 yards, uh, <laughs> air yards. Per and, and, and let me interject. If they were to go get Stafford, I would actually see that as an upgrade at the QB position. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even I'm not sure if – the Panthers, if giving up what they would have to give up to get him would be worth it. Now, now Matt Stafford is only 32 years old, and as we've seen, as we've seen in the NFL, quarterbacks and his style of play last for a very, very long time. You're gonna get about six to seven plus more seasons uh, out of Matt Stafford. Would I prefer the Panthers be really aggressive at Deshaun Watson? Absolutely. I think Deshaun Watson wants to come here. He's a Cam Newton fan. Cam Newton is is like his his idol. Um, of course, he wants to come here and uh, you know play for the the same organization that his mentor and idol play for. But realistically, I don't think the Panthers or any team has a chance to Sean Watson. I think the, the Texans are just going to make him eat his contract and then and then wait. So then the question becomes: Well, do the Panthers wait and you know keep on with Teddy until? Deshaun Watson is a free agent, or do you go after uh, a, a quarterback who has great ability and at one point in his career was considered elite tier? Um, that, I, that's a tough thing. I wouldn't be upset at Matt Stafford coming here. I'd be more upset if the Panthers gave up a bunch to get him. Gotcha, gotcha. I feel I feel the same way, man. Um, to take Matt Stafford at this stage of his career, I think is a bit risky, quite honestly, man. Um, not only just from a physical standpoint, but um, just think about this. Think about it in, in this aspect, guys. Think about the baggage you have playing for a franchise like the Detroit Lions over the last 10 years. Now, that could be a good or a bad thing. Now, that could be a good thing because it could be a breath of fresh air for Stafford to come to somewhere like 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 the Carolina Panthers. And from a football standpoint, I think it's a good fit because, you know, what – w- Kaza talks about this a lot. You know, what do we want mainly from Teddy? What do what did we want more from Teddy Bridgewater? A guy who throws the ball down the field more. A guy, a guy who is aggressive and getting the ball, driving the ball down the field. Matthew Stafford definitely does that. Now, do I give up first and second round picks for him? Hell no. <laughs> I, that might be unpopular. 
There is no way in hell I'm giving up first or second round picks for Matthew Stafford. Not doing it. Sorry. It got it has to be another th- something else we can work out. Uh I, I've seen I've seen I've seen star players go for less. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mortgage any young players for Matthew Stafford, man. Would it be a good football fit here? I think so. I I'd, I'd be mildly excited about it. Let me, t- let me tell you, it was disappointing, man. Matt doesn't want to stay in Detroit and not at some fucking kneecaps, man. Like he don't want to eat kneecaps. Like with Danny Campbell, man. That, that's 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 a shame. <laughs> you know, he can do it all he wants to here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Look, man. I, I, look, I, I, this is a surprise one, man. I I, I just want to bring this up, man. Uh, we lost a legendary uh, man this past week uh, in Hank Aaron. He died at 86 years old uh, in Atlanta. Do you guys have any words you want to say about the, the passing and the loss of, of, of uh, Hank Aaron? Um, Salute to Trailblazer. I'll say this, man. I, I have I have yet to visit uh, Atlanta's newer stadium. Um, I don't know if there's some type of monument or statue with Hank right. Aaron. Well, tear that one down and build a bigger one because that's how much he means not only to the Braves, but just to the city of Atlanta, man. Like he is the Bill Russell of Atlanta, like the 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 extreme amount of racism he faced uh, during his playing days, during his lifetime and, and has always stayed just just classy as they come. Hey, nobody talks about that enough with, with him, man. He, he's always been just this level headed, really classy uh, never sought too much attention to himself, man. You know what I mean? Um, always just a, a, a gentleman, man. And, and I mean, he'll be sorely missed, man. Yeah, uh, I, th- this might step on some people's toes, but I think the woke crowd does not like to give credit to black athletes that broke racial barriers back in the day because they feel like, well, all they did was, you know, essentially – tried to break into an area that was dominated by white society. But what they failed to realize is that these people broke race barriers for future generations. And what they had to endure to do that is something that we'll, we'll never, we'll never have to go through that. Hank Aaron received death threats when he was about to break uh, the home run record. And they were legitimate death threats. And, uh, when correct me if I'm wrong here because I, I was not alive when this happened. But when he broke the record, a fan came on field to celebrate yeah. with him, and there was there was real concern that oh, it's actually going to happen. These death threats are going to come to. That's the kind of stuff Hank Aaron had to deal with in his career. That's something professional athletes don't have to deal with um, nowadays because of people like Hank Aaron. So I, I hope that. You know, in, in his death, people will go research his legacy more and um, just understand how important he was, not to the game of baseball, to but to professional sports globally uh, even. So, so rest Absolutely. in peace uh, to a legend there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how somebody from Mobile, not I think Mobile, but he's from Alabama, can become a legend like this, man. Um, the man, when he, he, he the, 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 the post office gave him a plaque yeah. because he received the most male ever at one point wow. <laughs> and like the Atlanta Atlanta Journal Constitution actually wrote up an obituary because they, th- those threats were so valid that year and rumor has it that Mr. Mr. Aaron held on to all those letters to the day he died 
Oh, wow. wow. And so he, it's, it's just, it just was a constant reminder. I mean, and you look at stuff like that. That was 1973, 1974. That's, that's relatively not that long ago. Not that long ago. That's, that's less than 50 years ago. Right. And, like, it, 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 it pains me because, like, people in my father's generation, you, you guys' father generation, he was like a Muhammad Ali figure to them. Like, he was like somebody they could look up to. And it's, it's just kind of sad that that generation is kind of slowly passing along now, man. Right, no yeah. doubt. And, uh, you know, co-sign with everything uh, you guys have said. There's really nothing I can say. We all we all know a story. Uh, basically, the thing I want to say is that um, if there is a such thing uh, as the afterlife, then uh, I sincerely hope that uh, he's found his peace. And mm -hmm. I'll just leave it at that. No doubt. Look, we're gonna we're gonna jump into shout outs, man. Uh anybody got shout outs, Vince? You wanna go first? I'll go first. Uh first off, I, I want to give a shout out to the states of America. Um, I don't I don't know what the political affiliations are of the people that are watching this video right now. I'm sure they blur both lines. Um, however, we just went through a very uh unique uh past four years, and for better or worse, uh we got through it, you know, we survived it. And, um, you know, so just shout out to the States of America for hopefully um, progressive change uh, and all that good stuff. And uh, I want to I want to address something that's kind of really been sitting on me. And I'm, I'm going to let everybody know. So the last week or so or at, since November, since, uh, you know, it's become clear that Biden was going to become president. Um, everyone has been talking about his age. And I want you guys to think about this. Um, there's a lot of conversation as to whether or not Joe Biden will be able to survive the next four years because of his age. But it's hard for me to think about that because I just think how Emmett Till was born one year before Joe Biden. And I'll just leave that at that. Mm. Powerful. Kaza, what you got? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give a shout out to statisticians. Is that the correct word? <laughs> yeah, guys who collect stats. Because I, a lot of times before these shows or when I'm debating with people in the Hornets or Panthers forums, I am digging into stats. And I want to tell you guys a very interesting stat and in how your eyes lie to you and sometimes stats do as well. So if I told you the Hornets were one of the best defensive teams in the league, what would you say? Like, are, are you are you are you sure about that? Yeah, I'd be like, you're a liar. But the Charlotte Hornets are, and this is right after Chicago, and they were a little higher before that game, but they are number ten in points allowed, number ten in defensive rating, uh, number eight in a point and opponents field goal percentage, number five in forced turnovers, number nine in field goals allowed, and number four in steals. And check this out. They are number five in opponents' three-point percentage. Teams Ooh. do not shoot the three well against us. If I told you that, you would you'd call me a liar. But the stats don't lie. The, the, however, where the stats do lie is the Hornets allow the most three-point attempts and makes in the league, which indicates that they simply cannot rotate over fast mm -hmm. enough to top, stop teams from shooting. Because teams actually shoot the three very poorly against us. It's just that they it's shoot a lot of them. So, uh, but that, I mean, the stats say what it is. The Hornets are a pretty good defensive team. They just can't stop anyone from shooting a bunch of threes. We figured that out. The Hornets are a top playoff team. All right. My uh, my parting shot, I'm not sure if it's a shout out or a shout at, but my parting shot, number one, 
free mall. Um, I, 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 <laughs> um, I, I don't understand. I don't understand how Facebook algorithms work or how the bots work, but um, I find it very amazing how bad information and, uh, you know, you can call the Obama's monkeys, all that stuff passes on Facebook very easily. And you can see it very easily every day. But with you play around with your friends and you can get a 30 day ban. So middle finger up to Facebook. Um, my other parting shot is to LaMelo fans. Um, I'm just going to repeat what I said last week, man. LaMelo ball fans, calm y'all asses down. It's 15, 50, what, 16 games in to this point. It's going to be all right, y'all. Y'all don't have to be so emotional. James Morego is not a horrible coach because he doesn't play LaMelo ball 38 minutes a game. Y'all just chill out. It's, it, I, we promise it's going to be okay for y'all. We, we do. Um, other than that, man, Man, like I say every week, man, uh, to the guys in the chat room, uh, even if you agree or disagree with us, um, thank y'all for supporting us, man. Uh, our voices matter. Sure. Y'all make us realize our voices matter. So continue to support us, man. Okay, I got a few. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Vince for joining us and check out his YouTube videos, man. Dope. He has a few dropping pretty soon. Uh, just plug your information right quick. Yeah, so the easiest way to get to my uh, my YouTube is actually through Instagram because I'm not popular enough yet to where you can type in my name and it comes to the top. So if you go to my Instagram, uh, Vince underscore D underscore underscore, uh, you'll see all my information in uh, the bio. Just click on the link and it'll take you to all my necessary pages. All right. So appreciate you allowing me to uh, plug my stuff. No problem. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Zuway Charlotte. I was gonna ask about that. I was like, "Yo, Zuway Charlotte, man, they the amazing clothing place, man. They uh, located off of Statesville Avenue. Let me give you the right address." Hey, when you finish, let me interject something after you finish, bro. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, and man, man look, man, they're, they're they're popping now, man. You seen Arnold Taylor, the baby's manager in them. Uh, Tone X is, is 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 working with them sometimes. He actually records at this store. Uh, no Limit Larry records from his podcast there, man. It's a cool place. They're located off of 8432 Old Statesville Road, and they're open to 9 p.m. What you got to say, Jamal? All right. So last thing here, and I, and I want some input from the guys in the chat, if y'all are still here. Jeremy Chen sent out a tweet today. He says <laughs> something to the effect of, I wish we were playing this week or something like that. I don't have the exact tweet in front of January, me. January, February. January, I, I'd love to be playing in January or February. Um, in the spirit of that tweet, guys, who you got today? Who, who, who are your Super Bowl picks? Man, look, I'm going to shock the world. I'm going Buffalo. You're crazy. And I'm going. Don't say Tampa Bay. I'm going I'm going Packers. All right. Yeah, that's my. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the Bills and the Packers. I think that Mahomes is not going to be 100%. Thank you. That, that's what that, that was a big hit he took. Uh, I think they rushed him back. It's going to be – I don't think it's going to be quite – the Bills are a tough, tough team. I think they're going to surprise yeah. uh, the, the Chiefs. Are, and on the other side, I think the Panthers are just better than Tampa. Tampa is relying on the fact that they just have, like, stacked talent. Yeah. Um, the Green Bay is a better team, plus playing in Green Bay is yeah, – good luck. A lot cold of fans. It's cold as hell there, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll co-sign. Uh, I'm going with Buffalo. 
I'm a huge uh, Stefan Diggs fan. If he could get a Super Bowl the year after Minnesota did what they did to him, like I that that would be like the the ultimate fu to them. So I actually think Green Bay will win because the boys look good. The yeah. boys look good, but I want to see Buffalo win, and I will go with um. Actually, I got my teams mixed up. Um, but Buffalo and uh, Green Bay. I'm going with Green Bay simply out of spite towards Tampa Bay and yeah. Tom Brady. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good enough for us. That's good yeah. enough. Buffalo is like Carolina Junior. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? and for anybody, for anybody that's watching, I think it's pathetic when you look at Tampa. Tampa Bay did more in one offseason for Tom Brady than they did in five years for James. For James Winston, Winston. absolutely. That's that's just pretty appalling. So for I'm I'm going with Green Bay simply out of hate towards Tampa Bay. That's it. All right. Oh, oh, so, oh, and I got a shot at two, man. Look, the NFL, Eric being at me again. Man, don't even do it. We'll be here. Hey, hey, listen, hey, real quick. It's looking real hey, funny in the light right now. Hey, hey, hey real quick, man. It, when, when we get off of here, y'all go check out Carolina Blitz's tweet about all the uh, assistants this weekend. Okay. About the def- about the offensive and defensive coordinators this weekend. Let me give you my picks real quick, man. My heart wants the Buffalo Bills to win. My head is telling me Mahomes is unreal. I know he he might not be hundred percent, but that dude is something else, man. Different, man. Different. He different, man. I, I'm 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 going with Chiefs and Packers. I'm going for the Packers for all the reasons y'all said. So uh, we'll we'll see, man. And also, real quick, Jay brought something interesting up, and I'm we, we got three minutes, so let's make this quick. Uh, five year anniversary of the most exciting, the best Panthers football team ever. I want to. I just want to share my thoughts on that season really quickly. So that was the year my mother passed away, and that season was like the best distraction ever. It was the most timely distraction that I could possibly have after such a horrible thing that happened to me. Specifically, I went to almost every home game. I went to Tampa Bay. I went to Atlanta. I just went to a bunch of games, you know what I'm saying, just to distract myself. That season was just magical. Of course, we didn't get it done. Uh, real quick, y'all be real quick with your answers. What is your favorite moment from that 2015 season? Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Uh, National television, the Dallas Cowboys mushing Tony Romo in the face on a picture. Oh, I that game. Don't get better than that, huh? Yeah. Uh, for me, it would be the uh, title game, the uh, NFC title game versus the Cardinals. The, right, what you got? The complete obliteration of the Cardinals. I got two. Uh, Greg Olsen's touchdown in Seattle. Mm. And then uh, – That was a good one. And, and then Luke Keekley's, uh interception in, in the uh, the uh, divisional round game. Yeah, Seahawks. Yeah, my 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 favorite moment is Luke Keekley's interception to seal the NFC title, and specifically the reason why that's my favorite because I was there, I was at the game when I you really? could you could literally feel the stadium shaking, and it was kind of scary. The dollars <laughs> got through. We were sitting up by the lights. Hey, Prolot, I know you know you're a Falcons fan. You don't know anything about winning, so just kind of bear with us, man. Um, thirty-eight zero for the Falcons was a damn good memory too, man. Uh, <laughs> but man, but 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 when Luke Keekley intercepted that pass, man, it's like the stadium just exploded because we knew the the, the moment was like solidified. It's like, oh shit, this is really happening. We're really going to the Super Bowl. 
you know what I'm saying? It's like everybody just kind of exploded at one time. And that was that was a magical moment, man. So that's my favorite one. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh thank you guys for watching today, man. Tune in next week. We'll have Jerry V. All right, appreciate it, Josh. Yeah, take take care. Care. All right, Vince. Vince, good. Glad to have you, dude. All right, next time, y'all.